Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, where we discuss all things mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information and resources, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 12 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. So I'm not sure about you, but I can't wait until July 23rd when we get to see the second season of HBO's Insecure. So if you're a fan of the show, you know they left us with quite the cliffhanger last season, and I definitely can't wait to see where things pick up. But to hold you over until July, I have a very special On the Couch episode where we talk all about what therapy might look like with Molly. So, you know, at the end of last season, they kind of teased the idea that Molly may need some therapy. So we're going to give you a taste of what it might look like with this special guest therapist. So today I'm joined by licensed marriage and family therapist Esther Boykin. Esther wants to live in a world where everyone has at least one amazing relationship in their life. The kind of relationship where they feel safe to be themselves and know that they are loved wholeheartedly because of it. As a licensed marriage and family therapist, relationship coach, and expert, her simple yet effective tips and philosophies on relationships and self-care has been featured in a variety of TV, digital, print, and radio media outlets, including Good Morning Washington, Fox 5 DC, The New York Times, Sirius XM, Bustle, RealSimple.com, Hitched Mag, Redbook, and glamour. When she's not working with couples and individuals to create more joyful and connected lives, she can be found drinking coffee, hosting her podcast, with that being said, leading a workshop, writing blog posts, or working on her next retreat. Her first book, The Date Deck, because every couple needs a date night, hit the shelves in February 2014 and is, in, and is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and independent bookstores all over. I think that you'll really enjoy this conversation with Esther. So thank you so much for joining me today, Esther. I really appreciate you taking out some time out of your schedule to chat with me. So tell us which character you are going to be talking about today. I would like to talk about Molly from uh, Insecure. The HBO show Insecure. The HBO show Insecure, yeah. Okay. And for those of us who may not be familiar with the show, can you give us a little background on her? Sure. Um, I was actually just sort of looking. I was like, oh, I feel like I need like the full backstory. <laughs> just like the fact that I watched all the, the whole show. But Molly is essentially, you know, um, you know, young, successful, professional black woman. Um, the show really centers around her and her best friend. Um, and so she's an attorney, you know, an attorney trying to find love is probably the best way to describe that. Um, you know, she's, she's single, but dating, um, as I said, I think, you know, very successful professionally, um, maybe not quite so successful romantically. 
And what are some of the issues that you feel like she's dealing with that might actually lead her to therapy? I mean, and I think this is an interesting one to discuss because there was a whole conversation about therapy um, in the season finale of Insecure. Um, so, yes. so this could be a nice segue into the new season. I hope so. <laughs> like, you know, fingers crossed that, that it plays out how it often plays out, frankly, um, when I find myself working with clients very similar to her is that more often than not, there's sort of this maybe nagging kind of voice in the back of the head, like, why can't I get into a relationship? Why can't I find that sort of perfect partner for me? Um, but my guess is that a, you know, a woman like Molly is probably going to end up in therapy somewhat reluctantly because mm. people that she cares about have now sort of gently or not so gently sort of put it out there that, well, Maybe that's an option. And so in the show, she bumped into an old friend, um, you know, that they, she and Issa, her best friend, had from college. And, you know, she's like, oh, you look great, so grounded. So, and this other woman says, you know, yeah, like therapy has been fantastic for me. You should think about it. And she was so offended. But then it sort of opened the door, I think, for her um, and, you know, and Issa, her, the best friend character on the show, to really talk, you know, to kind of, at least broach the subject of, well, but maybe that is something that would be helpful. Maybe that is something that would be good for you to start to look at the, um, what's really happening in all of these sort of failed relationships and failed attempts at relationships. Right. And you mentioned um, that she would likely go somewhat reluctantly. Um, So can you say more about why Molly and maybe people who are similar to Molly may be so reluctant? Because our perception of therapy is that it's for crazy people, broken people, people whose lives are a mess, you know, that, that is so the opposite of sort of the image we hold of successful Black women, professional women, that we need to be strong. And because there is this such a stark contrast in this dichotomy, it makes it really difficult for successful Black women to, to find a comfortable space to actually participate in therapy because you have to sort of break that down because it's almost as if that means admitting that your whole life is a mess rather than sort of acknowledging that, no, my whole life isn't a mess, but there are things that maybe I'm struggling with or things that I want that I don't seem to be able to figure out how to create in my life. And this is just one more tool. You know, it's one more place for me to, you know, to learn and to grow and develop skills just like we would do you know, at school or any number of other places. Right. So you mentioned that um, likely the reason she would come would be that someone else would um, kind of lead her there or enough people would kind of plant the seed that she would kind of finally say, okay, let me go check this out. Um, so what are some of the things that you think she might come in and say um, like that she would want to work on? Like what would some of her goals be once she finally did come in for counseling? Uh Dating, (laughs) (laughs) which you know, and you know, I work with a number of you know of women, um, and it is one of particularly at at that sort of age. I think once you sort of get to you know thirty ish, Mm -hmm. um, that is that's often the pull. Is I want to find somebody. I you know, like I'm at a place where like I want to be connected and be in a relationship, and you know, whether it's say you know there's no good men out here, or you know, in her case she found somebody she really clicked with. Um, but you know, he hadn't gone to, like, he wasn't 
well-educated and didn't fit sort of the image of her life. And by the time she sort of was pushing herself to get over that, she kind of ruined that relationship. You know, she had made it really difficult. And so I could see her character sort of coming in around, like, I just want to figure out, like, where do I, you know, like, how can I get better at dating? And, you know, like, I'm sick of not being, you know, in a relationship. How do I fix this? How do I find the right one? Okay. So what are some of the strategies you might use to work with her around kind of getting ready to date and, you know, dating more successfully? Um, <laughs> probably one of the least favorite things of all my clients for to say is, well, you know, the only thing we can work on is you. Which <laughs> <laughs> that, like, and the truth is that's, you know, and I, you know, I know that, you know, like that's the secret sauce. Like if you are unhappy whether it's dating or you're married or your kids, like if you are unhappy about the way your relationships are working, the best place to start is figuring out, well, what's going on with me? What mm-hmm. is it that I'm looking for? What do I need? How am I contributing? You know, how am I getting in my own way of having that or, or attracting those people or creating that? And, you know, the storyline was so perfect because really she had, she would have come in having a very tangible moment for us to really work around. Like, mm-hmm. so then let's go back and let's talk about it. Like, what did, what did you really like about this guy? You know, what felt right about it? And then what felt wrong about it? And what was that like? And sort of really challenging some of those unconscious um, or conscious, but those long held beliefs about what the perfect partner is supposed to look like for her and helping her to really explore, to really redefine what that means. Yeah, and it seems like there was a um, a point in the season which would have likely been the point where she would have gone to therapy. So after the whole um, pseudo relationship with Jajena's character, I forget his mm-hmm. name on the show, um, but when he, you know, kind of seemed like he was in it and then showed up to the engagement party because um, according to him, it really felt like she needed to have a win kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> um, so that felt really crushing, I think even as an outsider (laughs) looking in, um, you know, so I'm thinking that likely would have been the point where she would have kind of stepped back and said, okay, you know, I really need to kind of figure out what's going on with me and the the guys that I am attracting to me, um, that this doesn't ever tend to end up the way that I'm wanting it to. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that would have been a key moment. And then I think also when she had, when she and, um, Issa had the big fight, Mm -hmm. And like kind of weren't like, I think that's another sort of relationship point where it's like, I mean, they both, they they said some things. They really, you know, when people know you really well and care about you and you get angry and you kind of call each other out on some of your, your, your issues or, you know, some of the things that you're maybe not addressing. I felt like that was a bit, would have meant potentially been another point of coming in to really talk about like, why isn't this working? And I suspect it would have started from a place of how do I get over these people who are treating me wrong? as opposed to what's going on with me that this is, this seems to keep happening or that that's, you know, and that's my experience is, which is what I love about therapy is that it's a process. And so in some ways it doesn't really matter where you start, like what that, that pivotal moment is that says, I'm going to go and I'm going to try this, or I'm going to look at things that, you know, you develop this rapport and then we begin to sort of unpack all of it, that maybe it's not just these other people or that you're just attracting the wrong type, but you know, What does that say when you're with somebody who doesn't know you really well and that the energy around you is that you needed a win that, you know, like here's this person who's sort of like, yeah, like out of this, you know, I mean, it was a crushing thing to say, but sort of this very misguided kind of sense of compassion. Like it just feels like 
you can't catch a break and you're really like hurting. And, you know, as terrible as that moment was, you know, I would want to help her to sort of say like, but what do you think he was picking up on? Because people do pick up on stuff, you know. Was he totally wrong? Right, right. And yeah. so you're talking about, um, you know, some work that can be very difficult, especially, you know, if someone comes in saying, well, the issue is not me, it's all these other people around me. Um, mm-hmm. And so to help them to kind of get to a place where they are able to kind of look at their own stuff, um, can you talk a little bit about what needs to happen or, you know, what kinds of things you maybe do as a therapist to try to help someone kind of get a little closer to that place? Yeah, you know... My personal approach or my professional approach, I guess I should say, is I like to meet people exactly where they are. So if that's what you, if you come in and that's just what you're thinking, then we're going to start there. But I think a lot of it is is us building a relationship and then me asking questions that are uncomfortable, you know, and, you know, I think that's a process that happens, has to happen in tandem. You have to learn to sort of trust that I care about you, that, you know, I see the best qualities in you. I want, you know, that I understand what you want to achieve, what you want in your life. And then that foundation of trust allows me to say, okay, first of all, you're the only person here. So like, I can't fix anybody else that's out there, even if they're the problem. So whether it's something that they're doing or the fact that you continue to be in relationship with them, either way, we have to work with what's in the room and what's in the room is, you know, you and I, and let's talk about that. But, you know, I try to I think every therapist does it a little differently, but ultimately I do think it begins with our ability to create a a safe environment and a healthy therapeutic relationship. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think especially, you know, when it has been maybe so difficult to finally take the step of going to see a therapist, um, you know, people don't want to feel judged or, you know, kind of like you're going to be jumping down their throat saying you're the problem, you're the problem, you're the problem, as opposed to, okay, I can gently hold whatever you're coming in with and we can kind of work towards whatever goal you set for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm big on... When I tell, you know, and I say this in session sometimes, you know, when I'm saying that we need to work on you, that's not the same as me saying that you're the problem. It's Mm. just you hold the power to make changes in your life. No one else actually can control that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me saying let's work on you and, and your stuff and let's understand kind of your experience, how we got here is really ultimately my goal is I want you to feel empowered. I want you to feel like the more you learn and understand who you are and, and how you operate in relationships and, and what are some of maybe the beliefs that get in the way of you having what you really want for yourself, the more of that you do, the more in charge of your life you will become. Because no matter what else happens, you understand yourself well enough to make better choices, engage in better relationships, set healthier boundaries, all of that stuff is really ultimately about, I want you to live your best life. I want you to feel like you're capable of doing that because you understand yourself better as opposed to looking for somebody to blame. So it sounds like you see women like Molly um, pretty frequently in your practice. Um, So can you maybe give us like some themes that have come up with Um, you know, in your work around people who are struggling with dating, like some of the things you have helped them to kind of do? 
Absolutely. So I would say, probably, you know, the number one theme is usually what we spend a lot of time talking about is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. How do you make, how can you open yourself up? Because a lot of times at the root of some of these things, like, oh, he has to look this way. He has to, you know, have this kind of job, drive this kind of car, um, or, you know, feeling like you can't connect with people is really often about that there's a wall up. It's about sort of self-protection. And so beginning to kind of slow down the process, like, okay, what is it that you want to have in a relationship beyond those surface things? And, you know, for the most part, we all want the same thing. We want to feel loved and appreciated and cared for and respected. And in order to create that, we have to also be able to tolerate really difficult things like disappointment and sadness and rejection. And that's often where the work starts. When I talk about doing the, like, we got to work on your stuff, it's usually around either a, an early relationship, um, you know, a first boyfriend, um, a previous marriage, uh, or oftentimes, and childhood um, trauma or childhood relationships, be it with their father or, and sometimes it's, it's actually um, the relationship with one's mother. I know we, you know, we all kind of hear, you know, oh, she's got daddy issues and that's the problem. But really understanding what we learn in childhood about how safe it is to truly love somebody, to really trust someone, to sort of allow ourselves to fully be present and seen by other people starts with both parents, not just, you know, your dad. Yeah, that's, that's very powerful. I mean, and I think that has been my experience too, is that a lot of the relationship issue that you're kind of finding in romantic relationships stems from, you know, those early childhood relationships. And so I know, you know, we don't want to kind of get too theoretical or give an entire treatment plan, um, but can you speak briefly about um, like what kinds of things you would do to work through some of that childhood trauma? Like when something like that has been kind of, you know, on you for so many years and you're just realizing like, oh, that's where a lot of that comes from. Um, what kinds of things can you do in therapy to work through some of that? Sure. So I am, I tend to be a very process oriented therapist. And so um, in session, really, we just spend a lot of time talking. Um, you know, so it's a lot of me listening and I spend a lot of time listening for process and then pointing that stuff out. And so just like, I just want us to discuss it. I want to be able to say to you, I wonder if that's related to that experience you told me about, you know, when you were seven with your mom, I see this parallel. Do you see the parallel? Can you see how, when you felt rejected, you know, by her around this particular area, that that same feeling is happening here? And then we, over time, beginning to sort of practice, um, particularly once somebody's actually dating someone else, you know, really kind of when there's a conflict or when you're feeling insecure in a relationship, bringing that up and sort of going, okay, can you slow that down? Can you now, is that because they're triggering something that's old or is that because of something that's happening in the present? And can you learn to do that more tangibly? I, most of my homework centers around self-care. Um, because, you know, we teach other people how to love and care for us. And so if we're not practicing that in our daily lives, we're going to consistently attract people who don't take care of us the way we really need to be taken care of. Um, sometimes we attract people and it's, it's very toxic. And sometimes it's just, if you don't know, then you can never express to another person what it is that makes you feel cared for and nurtured and loved and, you know, 
um, you know, appreciated. And so a lot of my homework is around practicing self-care. What does that look like? Um, what did you do? How can we practice being gentler with ourselves? So some of it are like, you know, making time for journaling, um, exercise, eating well, massages, you know, some of it is like very personal. I'm big on, you know, you got to create your own personal self-care plan. So that could be getting up and, you know, with enough time that you're not rushing, or it could be an afternoon coffee, or it could be making time to read a couple times a week because you really like books, whatever it is that sort of feeds your own individual needs. Um, but beginning to understand what that is, identify it and then practice it on a regular basis. I really like that, Esther. I think that's the first time I've heard um, anybody put self-care in terms of like what that looks like for dating um, and thinking about, you know, if you are not taking good care of yourself, then how can you teach someone and expect other people to do that same thing? Yeah, it's, you know, it's such a, we have to, I always say like, you need to be the partner that you want to have and, you know, not entirely, but (laughs) right. We've got to establish that kind of foundation. Um, I see it a lot with my couples. And so over the years, I've learned to kind of like, I got to backtrack it. Like, let's start doing that while we're dating so that, you know, you can then carry that forward when you do find somebody that you want to be in a committed relationship with. Right. So what um, are some tips for our listeners who may be struggling with some challenges that may be similar to Molly's? Like what kinds of tips or things could you offer? Um, well, obviously, you know, professional bias. So my first tip would be just try therapy, get a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I I mean, I always sort of, you know, I'm half kidding, but not really. Part of the challenge is what she's trying to establish an authentic connection with another person. And there is a skill set that, that you need to have in order to do that. And therapy basically is a place for you to practice that with somebody who is really good at it. Like your therapist isn't figuring out how to have authentic, genuine connection with you. They know how to do that. I mean, hopefully that's part of the training Right. is they understand how to set healthy boundaries. They understand how to be, you know, attuned to your needs. So it, it's a really safe place for you to practice. How do you do those things? Where are the places where you don't do that really well? And so that's definitely one of them. I think seeking out, you know, practicing, accepting a little bit of constructive criticism. And this is one of those, like, you need to be very thoughtful and careful. You allow to sort of be this person in your life. But really looking at the people that are around you that care about you and asking those people that you trust, who you really genuinely believe, always have your best interests in mind, know you really well, and that if you gave them permission, would be really honest with you. Because I think, you know, as difficult as it was, I think that's part of what she and Issa have for, with each other is this is a person who knows you well enough and accepts you unconditionally. That you can also be, you know, Intimacy and, and emotional intimacy isn't just for romantic relationships. It's also in friendship and in the family. And so figuring out, do you have that anywhere in life? And if you do, then kind of really cultivating that connection a little bit um, more intentionally can also be really helpful. And, and then self-care. That would be my other is, you know, the more, because 
the real secret there is that the more you practice figuring out how do I take care of myself, how do I show myself more love and consideration and, um, and patience and compassion, the easier it is for you to ask for help in other places. A lot of the, the block is often, it's negative self-talk. It's what will people think of me? It's judgment that gets between um, many women similar to Molly and actually engaging in, in therapy or even just in being able to really allow themselves to be fully present in a romantic relationship. Yeah, when you brought up the whole idea of, um, you know, her being able to tolerate constructive criticism from other people in her life, um, I also think that she would be like the ideal candidate for a process group. Um, Because I think that if she couldn't tolerate getting the constructive criticism from the people in her life, I think it would um, go well for her to be able to kind of be in a group of strangers who she develops relationships with for her to be able to get the feedback about how she comes across to people. Because I think that that also is a part of her issue is that she doesn't really know like the perception that she gives off to other people. Yes. I I mean, I think group is always just amazing, I think, um, for lots of things, but I think it would be, I think you're right. It would be a perfect opportunity and would be much easier to tolerate because there could, she could also maintain some separation. Right. Get to be, I'm going to start learning to be much more vulnerable and, and hear some of this stuff. And then I can go back to my real life and practice it and see how it works. And rather than feeling the pressure to integrate those two things. Exactly. So do you have any resources to go along with those wonderful tips that you just gave us? Any books or blogs or websites, um, things that you think that our listeners would benefit related to these issues? Yeah, definitely. Um, So, I mean, in terms of looking at things like working on the self-compassion and the vulnerability, I'm a big fan um, as Many of us therapists are of, you know, Brene Brown's work. Um, I actually really like some of her, one of her earlier books, um, The Gifts of Imperfection, which I think is an easy read and sort of gives very concrete steps, like try practicing this, try practicing that. Another book that I I really like is called um, Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. Again, I think it offers both uh, sort of an intellectual understanding and then some tangible, practical things that you can do. Trying to think in terms of, there's a ton of just great websites and blogs and none of which I'm going to be able to like name off the top of my head. (laughs) But, you know, I'm a big fan for like, you know, Google my client stuff all the time. Like I just found, here's a great article, 55 ways to like be gentle with yourself when you have a rough day. Or I will send people like playlists, like here's a playlist when you're feeling particularly raw or vulnerable or, you know, to help you start to think about what it would look like. One of the other, which is not necessarily a tangible resource, but one of the things I also ask a lot of my clients who are, where we're working around dating issues is, you know, to make a list, like get a notebook and kind of make a list of the qualities they want that they think they're looking for in a partner. What kind of dates would you go on with that partner? And then starting to use that as kind of a map for like, well, what are you doing while you're single? So if you want to date somebody who's going to like take you to wineries, then I want you to go take yourself to a winery. If you want to date somebody who is really into art and you can discuss art with, then I want you to like join a meetup group and go to a gallery and then 
actually talk to people about the artwork. But I, that's just, a, that's sort of a homework thing that I like to offer people as well. Like we need to practice sort of doing the things that we think we want in a relationship. That sounds like a great activity. <laughs> so Esther, I also want you to talk to us more about your practice um, and the things that you're doing in the community because you're doing some really awesome things related to, you know, you mentioned before, like the stigma related to mental health and how that um, often keeps black women from seeking therapy. Um, so can you tell us more about your practice and some of the things you're doing as well as where we can find you on social media? My practice is based in the Washington, D.C. area, Group Therapy Associates. And, you know, really, I would say sort of the underlying, you know, vision as I started it was twofold. One is about reducing the stigma around mental health and therapy. Um, and then sort of as a tangent to that is making that more accessible. So I think beginning to think about that there are other ways for you to engage and connect with therapists. Um, ideally, eventually, you get into the office and you're doing some sessions, but, you know, going to workshops, uh, you know, I love that you brought up, you know, doing process groups. Groups are one of my favorite things to do. I think that's a really cool thing to do. So some of the stuff that we do does include, um, in fact, this upcoming week, I have a, a couple's dinner. So it's like dinner and wine pairing and myself and another one of the therapists from my practice for couples. And we're going to talk about intimacy and building and maintaining emotional connection. And so I do, I have a whole division where we sort of take a lot of therapeutic topics out of the office and begin to introduce them as a way for people to think about them. And then if you decide you want to go deeper, obviously, then you can kind of call the office and, and work with somebody one-on-one. So that's um, some of what I'm doing. I guess the one sort of passion project I've got going on right now is called Therapy is Not a Dirty Word. It is a Q&A happy hour. So um, just going to different cities, bringing local therapists out of their offices, getting everybody, you know, non-therapists to come out. And we just sort of hang out and have like really great conversation. It's not a traditional panel where we're sort of lecturing. It really is, you know, people just kind of sitting around asking questions, everything from some of the stuff you and I talked about, you know, book recommendations to, you know, why become a therapist or, you know, talking about, you know, how can somebody work on their relationship or something like that. So that's one of, that's kind of my passion project at the moment um, is, you know, showing up in lots of different cities and doing those happy hours. Very cool. Very cool. Like I said, I think you have some very cool things going on. So I definitely want people to pay attention to if any of those events will be in a city close to you and definitely try to go out and attend those. Yes, definitely. Um, you can find me on you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Esther B. MFT. My practice is also on those places. I always sort of say, like, the easiest thing to do is if you go to estherboykin.com, then whichever sort of little corner of my work world that you're interested in, you'll find links for it there. So whether it's the Conversations Off the Couch events, which are um, primarily based in the DC area. Therapy is not a dirty word, which as I said, is kind of everywhere. Um, we were in London not too long ago. We've got a couple of events in DC coming up. Um, and through this, um, in July, we'll be in LA. We'll be in Atlanta soon. So like, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming <laughs> to lots of different places. Yes, very cool. And all of this information will be included in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about trying to figure all of this out. I'll have handy links for everybody. 
<laughs> well, Esther, thank you so much for spending some time and sharing all these amazing resources and great conversation with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. Um, I, I just, I love the conversation. I love being able to connect with other therapists and, and have these kind of conversations, you know, just a little out of the box thinking because I think it's just such a great way for us to connect with, connect what we do with like everyday life. So thank you again so much. You're very welcome. So as you can see, Esther dropped tons of gems that I think could be very helpful for you to apply in some of the situations in your lives. To find all of the resources and things that she mentioned in the episode, make sure to check out the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 12. And please make sure to let us know what you think of the episode. Use the hashtag TBG in session. And you can find us all over social media at Therapy for Black Girls. And Instagram and Facebook, we're at Therapy for Black Girls. And on Twitter, we're at Therapy for the number four B-Girls. And make sure to share this with one of your special girlfriends so that you guys can chat about it before we get caught up with the next season in July. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.